Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Out of Our Own End Zone. Today we'll be previewing two teams offseason and where they currently stand. These two teams will be the Los Angeles Chargers and the San Francisco 49ers. We have the hosts of We're Talking Football podcasts. One of them is a Chargers fan and one of them is a 49ers fan to help us dive into these topics. Guys, please introduce yourselves. Hey, I'm uh, Lou Garini. Um, I'm one of the hosts of uh, We're Talking uh, We're Talking Football podcast. Uh, you can follow us at WTF Pod NFL on Twitter and Instagram. And I will be your token Chargers fan. I'm Weston Smith. I'm uh, the co-host of We're Talking Football. Lou just plugged us. Uh, I know this is audio only, but I'm the far more attractive version of We're Talking Football. And I am the token 49ers fan for you this evening. Well, we'll take your word for it. (laughs) (laughs) So diving into the Chargers uh, first, last season they finished 8-8 and and had a fairly impressive run at the end. What are your thoughts on the Chargers' end of the season and season in general last year? Well, last year I thought it was a weird, interesting year. I basically thought it was a tale of two stories. On one hand, you had this whimsical performance of a rookie quarterback who everyone said couldn't be a leader, and he would falter, and they were so quick to criticize uh, him being an introvert and what have you. And then on the other hand, you had the epic failures of a coach and players alike. It basically, I thought, watching the season unfold was like a good movie or a TV show with a horrible ending. Uh, that's the best way I can paraphrase and, and uh, you know, best metaphor I can give because all their games were exciting, all their games were close, but being that they had uh, a lack of leadership and a lack of uh, you know, intelligence when it comes from a coaching aspect, that's where they would always consistently lose when it comes to crunch time. All right. Diving into the Chargers draft, they took Rashad Slater overall, uh, first overall. Then they got cornerback in Asante Samuel. And then their third round pick was Josh Palmer, the receiver. What do you think about their 2021 draft overall? Well, I'm a very overly critical i feel like you have two different types of fans out there you have you have your homers and you're overly critical i'm an overly critical type of fan and if i was being candid i feel like their draft was a two-player draft in my opinion in slater and samuel jr but man what a haul did la get with those two first picks to get the best player available along with addressing the biggest need for a team is almost unheard of and i feel like the charbers were able to accomplish that in both rounds one and two the other selections are lukewarm on uh, at best, I would say. Palmer, to me, there's rumors that he's going to be the, the heir to Mike Williams. They'll let him go in free agency. But he doesn't do anything really different than any of the other wide receiver cores. He's not explosive. He's not overly big. Uh, he's a good route runner or what have you. Uh, I really did not like the McKitty uh, pick because I thought that was a massive reach in my opinion. But uh, the other picks were fine. Chris Rump. Uh, liked him as an edge player, a little undersized. Uh, he's only going to be probably coming on third downs to rush the edge uh, because he doesn't have that bulk to perhaps run the, uh, stop against the run. But uh, like I said, it's a two-player draft, if you want my honest opinion. I, I disagree, dude. I, I love their draft. I mean, I agree with you. I don't see McKitty being the, the pick there. 
But those those first three picks, the value associated to where they got, who they got, the additions to the team. I mean, yes, you are knowing you as long as I've known you. You are the you are the over critic, critical Chargers fan. But from the outside perspective, I love everything they did in this draft. I, re- I, I want to be wrong. I want to be wrong. Diving into the rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year, Justin Herbert. He's my boy. Um, my my friend last year was like, I think Justin Herbert's going to be the worst quarterback, like out of the quarterback selected. And I was like, I think he has a chance to be like the best quarterback selected. So now I get to roast him for it. So. <laughs> what do you uh, think about Herbert going into his second year? Uh, once again, I'm prefacing this with I'm overly critical. So uh, going into the draft, I was a huge Justin Herbert fan. And I thought the Chargers, if they were to quote unquote settle for Herbert, that that would be 100% fine. I was a, I was a big cheerleader of his. Uh, being a glass half empty guy, I still think the jury's out on him. And let me tell you why. We've seen this before, but maybe not to the magnitude of Herbert and how he played in his first year. But we've seen Trubisky ball out. We saw Wentz ball out, RG3 ball out. All these players who had early success but then fizzled out. But what I will say, I feel like Herbert has over them, is that not only is he physically gifted, but he's super intelligent. He was the academic uh, Heisman Trophy winner. I think he had like a 4.0 GPA as a microbiology major. Uh, All that being said, I am now worried about the change on the offensive philosophy. You know, this is a new offense for the second year in a row. He has to l- learn this. However, once again, if I'm really talking around myself in circles right now. He actually went through this in Oregon. I think he had, uh, they changed their offensive schemes three times in four years. So he always had to learn a new offense and he's always been successful in doing that because of his intelligence. But I, I just want to see what he does this year. You know, last year was phenomenal. It was, it was the best, best performance from a rookie quarterback, you know, of all time. Uh, I, if he doesn't do as good, I just want to make sure he's still confident. You're just patting your heart, dude. Yeah. Hey, buy in, believe the kid is for real. Um, I don't buy. He's a, a one hit wonder. I think he's super intelligent. Um, I think he's adaptable to any scheme you put him in. Big arm talent, super athletic ability. Um, the build to take a beating in the pocket if he needs to. I've been Dude, we've talked about this on our own show. Like, I am a big-time Justin Herbert believer, and I think he he's here to stay, evident by what we'll do tomorrow in our show, and I might shock you. Okay. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> what did you think about his midseason haircut? Hated it. All right, then and then, I go, this guy, I, I thought, Herb, that's it. <laughs> you cut the locks off, boom. He's going to start, uh, start performing bad. I hated it, but – um, you know what? Guess what? The flow is back, boys. The flow is back. Yep. All right. Delving into the past game, mostly featuring Keen Allen and Mike Williams. What do you think about their receivers going into this year? Believe it or not, the receivers are pretty deep this year. Uh, Keenan Allen, off the top of my head, probably a top five wide out, I think, in the NFL. Mike Williams is a nice compliment. He's a, uh, he's a big ball. Uh, he's like that. He goes up and gets that ball. Uh, specialists. Uh, they have some nice complimentary pieces. They have Josh Palmer now that can perhaps fill a void, God forbid, if one of them gets hurt into a bigger receiver. Uh, they also have Guyton and uh, Johnson, who are your speedsters and what have you. So uh, I do think they have a nice depth and array of different types of receivers out there. 
And from what I've read, I want to give you a little heads up. Uh, it seems like their passing offense is going to be similar to what the Saints ran uh, because they have uh, their offensive coordinator is now Joe Lombardi, who was the quarterback's coach of the New Orleans Saints last year. And apparently they're going to use a bunch of passing formations and personnel groups to attack like defenses and their weaknesses. It could be mean like running three tight ends out there in a pony formation and what have you. But uh, it's also reported that Mike Williams is going to be playing the Mike Thomas, Michael Thomas role, which makes sense because Mike Williams was, was pretty uh, efficient when in Clemson running those slants and those underneath routes, which they really never used him in L.A. before. So I think there's a lot to be excited for when it comes to the passing game. All right, moving on to their run game. First off, you got the main back, my boy, Austin Eckler. Two years ago, I was running out of running backs in my fantasy team, so I just started playing Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler both. It kind of worked out pretty well. And then they also started using, possibly because they just, Austin Eckler got hurt at some point, um, they started using Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly. What are your thoughts on their run game going into next season? On the run game, I'm a, I like Eckler. He, you know, he's a good back. I hope he can stay healthy. Uh, never, he doesn't have injury concerns. Last year was the first time, really, when it comes to injury concerns. Uh, just interesting how they're going to compliment him. Uh, Joshua Kelly wasn't a fan of him, uh, especially with the, the scheme they're going to be running. So apparently they're going to be running uh, – their uh, running scheme is going to be resembled somewhat of what my uh, co-host uh, will know, Kyle Shanahan type of scheme that they run out in San Francisco, which is a wide zone blocking scheme with the utilization of quick traps from time to time. Don't think that's Joshua Kelly's uh, forte because he's a little slow, especially to, on, towards the edge, on the edge. Uh, I like Justin Jackson a lot. The guy can't just stay on the field. So uh, he has a lot of wiggle to him and what have you. So I think there's some, I think there's some more uh, to be desired there in that backfield. All right. Taking a look at it, the defense now, obviously, Duran James is a stud, but he's coming off of being injured all year. Then I hold Chris Harris, good veteran, and then probably their stud, Joey Bosa, barring uh, his injury problems. What are your thoughts on their defense going in? Today? Well, just, just like the rest of the team, the whole team, team's in a transition. Uh, they're going to be going from a 4-3 cover three scheme to a 3-4 attacking scheme. So that's going to be interesting because it's completely different philosophies, if you ask me. Uh, if you really want to uh, know what it's about, you need to go read Stephen Ruiz's piece on USA Today's uh, for the win. It's oversimplified. Basically, he's going to use his two high safeties uh, to give the illusion of a light box. But uh, post-snap, he's going to rotate one of those safeties down to blitz or play, uh, perhaps play middle zone or defend the run. It's almost like a zone read from the safeties aspect. By rotating the safeties, it's going to give that offense something a little more to think about. and actually gives the defense more time to diagnose play action. So it's going to be completely different than just, hey, drop everyone back in the cover three. They have studs in every uh, line of defense. On the defensive line, they got Bosa. And the, and the, uh, the linebackers, they got, Ken, they got Kenneth Murray. Uh, the cornerbacks, you know, they got Derwin James. They have a lot of talent on that defense. I just was interesting how they're going to adapt to such a huge uh, change in philosophy. I think the philosophy is going to suit them well. I love you're going to talk about them in a minute, but I love bringing the mind of Brandon Staley into this uh, to this team, um, implementing that philosophy on the defense. I think it's going to maximize the skill set of the players you have. Yeah. 
All right, getting into that. Now, what do you think about the firing of Anthony Lynn and the hiring of Brandon Staley? Uh, well, first of all, Anthony Lynn should never have been hired. Wasn't a big fan of them. Uh, I was a huge Shanahan fan. I was, and I felt like there, there I think Shan, I mean, I could be wrong. My, my partner might uh, disagree with me, but I think Shanahan was someone probably intrigued uh, going out to San Diego or Los Angeles with the building pieces they had there on offense. Uh, I never was, they, they, this is the first time in a long time. I actually am hopeful for a coach since Marty Schottenheimer when it comes to the chargers. Uh, I love the fact that Staley is completely different type of coach that they've uh, hired in the past. He's going to be incorporating analytics, something that this franchise has traditionally avoided in the past. And also it's just, you got to hear the way he talks, the passion he has, the depth of knowledge he goes into. He really reminds me of, McVeigh from the Rams but on the defensive side. Hopefully, I just you can have that similar success as McVeigh as well. All right, moving into the 49ers portion of the show. Let's go. At last season with six and ten wasn't really their fault, entirely their fault at least, because a slew of injuries, including Jimmy Garoppolo, and then. George Kittle, who was on my fantasy team, so that was fun. <laughs> he got me 40 points before he got injured. What were your yeah. thoughts about last season? I, I can sum it up in a single word. Disappointment coming off of uh, an appearance in the Super Bowl the the year before. Obviously, the Super Bowl hangover is a, a real thing, but, you know, I actually hit the nail right on the head, right? Six and ten, fourth in the West. Um, after that, essentially being six minutes away from being world champions um, to your point, dude, can we chalk this up to an odd year An odd year, meaning they finished the season with 25 players on injured reserve throughout the season. They had almost 40 total players on injured reserve. You mentioned Jimmy G Kittle. I'll throw in D Ford, Solomon Thomas, DeForest Buckner, Joe Staley retired. I mean, excuse me, not the DeForest Buckner was traded. Joe Staley retired. So just significant roster churn. What's crazy is they were still actually competitive playing with a slew of backups. So of those 10 losses, six of them were by a single possession. I mean, they even still had a shot at a wild card berth, you know, with four or five games left in the season. When I rattle off who we lost and who we were playing with, that's uh shocking but in this league it's just hard to compete with no continuity on the roster and uh, the cherry on top is when santa clara actually banned games <laughs> from being played professional sport games their final three home games were played in arizona so think about gearing up for a home game playing in a rivalry stadium just a weird weird season but when you when you read between the lines just as a fan just super disappointing given, you know, the ro- what the roster looked like going into the season and where we were the season before. Last year was the best thing that could have happened to your franchise because basically you, you needed last year to propel yourself into the future. Uh, because of the failures of last year, you guys have set, you up, set yourself up beautifully, I feel like, uh, from this year and years on out because you addressed the most important position of need, that only weakness that you guys pretty much had uh, Trey Lance. And that was the guy I felt like you guys had to get and glad you guys got. Yeah. We'll talk about him in a minute and you can definitely chime in, but I just, um, I agree with you, right. This is all about 
continuity year over year over year being competitive. But, you know, an NFL fan will tell you, like, when you get to the mountaintop, you got it. You got to do it. Right. You got to complete it because, hey, I'm living proof. Right. It's been 20, 26 years since we've won a Super Bowl. Right. And we've been there a couple of times since then. It's just, <laughs> I was rooting for them in two years ago, but then also I was like, "Well, Chiefs haven't won a while either, so they yeah. they can if they win, I won't be too mad." But now I'm not rooting for the Chiefs to win a Super Bowl because they could literally win a Super Bowl like every year. But, yeah. All right, moving into the quarterbacks, what are your thoughts about? Jimmy G and them drafting Trey Lance with the number three pick. And when do you think Trey Lance will start? Yeah. So I'll, I'll stay with Jimmy for a, mi a minute here. I am well documented on being a Jimmy G fan and supporter. Um, he kind of rescued us from the depths of hell in those final five games of 2017 and gave us something to believe in. Um, I'm well documented saying that he was going to always be the starter going into the 2021 season, regardless of what happened. He's a competitor. His teammates love him, but he's limited. Let's call it what it is, right? He's limited in throwing the deep ball. He's limited with mobility. He's limited with availability due to injuries. But I would challenge you to say, show me a quarterback that is not named Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers that isn't limited in some capacity, right? Teams still find ways to win with, with these other guys, but the biggest concern is availability. Look, the one season he played all 16 games, we went to the Super Bowl. Was he the reason? No, um, but he was definitely a very important cog in that wheel. So I'm going to kind of parlay right into this, Alex, around like Trey Lance and when I think he'll come in. So first and foremost about Trey Lance, I love this pick for so many reasons that we don't even have enough time to, to get into, but I'll summarize it. The kid is absurdly talented, big arm, four five speed, smart kid, played under center um, in college. To me, he checks all the boxes, maybe even more so than some of the, the players that might have gone before him. But I know the knock, right? Everybody's going to point to the level of competition, FC, FCS football. He's only play, played one game since 2019. But I think the good news for him is he doesn't actually have to play in 2021. If he does, it's because he played himself onto the field and won that battle or his predecessor is playing rather poorly, but it's still going to give him the time that he needs to develop and get accustomed to or acclimated a little bit to the NFL speed. I am personally hoping that he doesn't see the field in 2021 because that means San Francisco is being super competitive um, and it gives him the time. Realistically, and I'd have to look at the schedule again, but I think the bye week is like bye is like week six or seven. Um, if we're sub 500 going into that, you'll, you'll see him after the bye week because you got nothing to lose at that point. Get the, get the kid his experience and, and let him roll. Um, but I'm going to remain optimistic here and say that he does not see the field in 2021 outside of some gimmicks. Uh, what are your thoughts about Justin Fields quickly? Because personally, I think he would have been my uh, first quarterback off the board. Yep. Um, I like Justin Fields. A lot to like about him. In fact, you know, and Lou can attest to this. 
throughout the entire draft process, my hope was this was one A being Trey Lance based on where they were picking and who would probably be available. And one B was Justin Fields. I love his level of competition. I love his grit. I love how he plays. I think Chicago actually did themselves a huge service by going up and, and snagging this guy. Um, I think I'm putting my Kyle Shanahan Shanahan hat on. I would have been happy either way, but I think Shanahan looked at some tape and said, the, the clear difference for me is Trey Lance has played under center and you need to do that in Kyle Shanahan's offense. So, and I, I think he probably thought a little bit more highly of his intelligence level and that's not a knock on Justin Fields. Again, I'm just putting my Shanahan hat on and saying, you know, like, what are the one or two differences and what's the reasoning behind me choosing this individual versus Justin Fields? And I think that's what it draws to, but I love Justin Fields as a player. Um, I think he's going to have success in the league. All right. Should have said uh, first quarterback off my board. That wasn't uh, Trevor Lawrence, but yeah, yeah, totally. I get what you meant. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the run game. We've got yeah. a classic Shanahan, uh, running back room it seems like I was looking and I was like they kind of like changed a lot of running backs but they still have Mozart I liked Goldman what he did with uh New York filling in for Barkley they got hasty they drafted Trey Sermon from Ohio State in the third round and then of course they've got Hughes check at fullback slash sometimes running back so to me this is by design and at least on paper it's the best run game in the NFL Um, And that's evident by everywhere Shanahan goes. He's obviously had success running the football and he does a lot of it with undrafted, no name running backs. Look at Raheem Mostert averaging nearly seven yards a carry in this offense, who's been a journeyman special teams player and gets first team burn. Now Um, you rattled off some names, Mostert, Wilson, they did with Brita in the past, Michael hasty drafting Trey Sermon, bringing in Gallman from, New York, who I think honestly probably won't even make the team when all said and done. Um, I don't think he makes the 90 man roster. I think maybe he will with the injury to Wilson, but I think this is Mostert, Sermon, Hasty, Usechek, you know, some other guys that they'll they'll plug in there. I was a little perplexed by the Sermon pick. I love Trey Sermon as a player. I think he fits what we do. Stretch the stretch the ball out wide, one plant and go, and a little power to his game. But it was just like very not. Kyle Shanahan like to trade up into the third round to get a running back. It's just not something you see. So I'm, I'm hoping, you know, as a fan, that means, Hey, we believe in this guy. He fits exactly what we want to do. And I wouldn't be surprised halfway through the season if he's not RB one on this roster, but they do it by committee committee. But this is the, to me on paper, the best, the best running attack in the NFL. Uh, did Cleveland – is Cleveland not in the NFL anymore, Weston? They're in the NFL. I'm not worried about the Cleveland Browns, dude. And they're running it team? Listen, I said on paper by design. that I didn't say they have the best running backs in the NFL. I said on paper by design, it's the best scheme. Every single year, year over year, you can take it to the bank. This team will have 1,800-plus yards rushing every year. All right. Oh, I have to see. Yeah, I would agree on uh, paper. The Cleveland Browns do have the best running game. But I like the committee approach. I think we're kind of seeing more teams doing that because obviously running backs don't have that long of careers. 
And we're moving into the pass game. Of yeah. course, they got Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk coming on to his second year. Ahmed Sanu's a veteran. Jalen Hurd is, what, third year? And then, obviously, they got the Beast Kittle, who's coming off of injury, though. Yeah, so to me, this is an area of concern. And it's not necessarily because of the talent that they have available. You just rattle it off. Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, um, Sanu, that savvy vet. Um, I think the the ace up the sleeve is if you can get a healthy Jalen Hurd. I think that changes a lot of the play calling that, that Shanahan would look to. He's kind of that guy, that H-back you can move all over the place. But I draw a direct line back to the quarterback. Um, I, I've said this before that I – I would challenge you to go back and look at every single one of Kyle Shanahan's pass plays, play action, straight drop back. There is always one person open by design. The issue of late has been, can the quarterback find that person and can he make that throw that is designed? Um, I think that's all the reasoning in the world why they moved up to go find that quarterback of the future that they feel can process the offense, can make all those throws, but the pass game, is is always for me is cause for concern i i get a little pit in my stomach every time they drop back um and even as much as a, of, of a fan of his that i am for jimmy g um there's still a little bit of a little bit of a lack of faith in him executing what what's uh, called in front of him i mean i mean they have the best decoy in the in the world right i mean with a running attack just like that you know, like, okay, let's use your Cleveland Brown example. Why is Baker Mayfield's job so easy? Because they're worried about the run before they're worried about the pass, right? And everything they can do is off the play action. Like, that is the, the best decoy you can do is have a solid running game to support your passing game. But if you don't have a quarterback under center who can get him the ball, it's all for nothing. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. But moving on to the defensive side of the ball, got the stud Nick Bosa, who my favorite play was when he sacked Baker and then waved the flag around. That was fun. <laughs> and then um, veteran Jason Verrett and then Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlar are good pass rushers. What are your thoughts about the defense going into this season? I got a big question mark here, and it's not necessarily about the talent. I actually like our talent at all three levels. I mean, you just mentioned Bosa, Kinlaw, you hope he progresses in year two. Um, Armstead just ate double and triple teams all year because there was no Bosa. Kinlaw was still developing. There was no D Ford outside of him. So that's all they focused on. I mean, got all pro Fred in the middle. Um, my concern is the defensive backfield, but more importantly, it's really the coaching. Like Robert Sala was the heartbeat of this defense. They fed off of him. There's some continuity there. D'Amico Ryan's, you know, is going to come in and be the defensive coordinator. Has been under Sala for a few years. There's talks of not tweaking much, maybe just adding a few more blitz packages to what they do, which is all fine and good. But if you're blitzing, you're leaving the, that that defensive backfield out there on an island. Love what Verrett did, but do I trust him to stay healthy and do it again? History says no. Um, you know, no Sherman there. That that savvy vet for you. I do love our safeties. I love Tart. I love Ward. I think they're both underrated. We brought in depth there. We did just lose some of that depth to injury, but brought in um, more depth. And I'm talking about Tavarius Moore going down for the season with a, a ruptured Achilles. Um, that stuff's tough, but 
to me, it's still a question mark and it's about their leader who sat on the sideline being gone and being real thin in that secondary. And I'm a little concerned that in the draft, uh, we didn't address this um, as early as I thought we should. All right. What do you think about Salva going to the uh, Jets? I love, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's hard for, I'm going to talk like I know Robert Sala here for a minute, but I'm super happy for him. Super happy for his family. Like if you've read anything about his history and his backstory and how he got to this point, I, the only way I can describe it is just hard, hard work, nothing given to him. So it's re- when you see his passion on the sideline, like how do you not root for that guy? I'm glad he's going to the jets under a long-term commitment. Um, and they're adding pieces, like not to get off topic here, but I, I love what they did in the off season. I love what they did in the draft, right? They're not just sitting stagnant. Like they're a team that is really trying to get better. And as so long as they let him kind of invoke his philosophy, I think it's a great fit for him, but how do you not be happy for a guy, even if it's a couple of years being a head coach who's worked his ass off. Um, and, and obviously, you know, being paid as such, like, you know, good for him, his wife, and his seven children. All right. Now we'll transition to some rapid questions uh, for both teams. Start with some historical questions, and then we'll get into some team-specific questions. But first of all, who's your favorite current NFL player? Well, brains before beauty, so I'll start first. Uh, my favorite <laughs> player would be uh, – uh, I'm going to sound like a homer, but Derwin James, and let me tell you why, is pretty much for the fact that uh, this guy can line up anywhere on the defense and be elite. He's shown the ability to be an elite pass rusher, shown the ability to be an elite, you know, high free safety, shown the ability to be an elite strong safety, a cornerback. Wherever you put this guy, he's going to be the best player on on that side of the field. The only issue is, is injuries. And I just love the way he's energetic. He's always positive. Uh, when he got drafted by the Chargers, he wasn't angry. He was excited. Uh, sometimes, you know, getting drafted by the Chargers, players aren't so happy or thrilled or what have you. But he he, he really embraced the role as a leader. And I, I love Derwin James's attitude. And I, I really think uh, there's nothing he can't do on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so I love Derwin, too. And I'm obviously not a fan of the team, but my favorite, so Alex, I, my favorite current NFL player is not even on my team, um, which is, I'm, again, I'm a, I'm a 49ers fan first. I'm an NFL fan second, but I, I follow as much as I possibly can, but my favorite current NFL player, um, and it's really not even close, is DeAndre Hopkins. Even though he's on a rival team now uh, in the NFC West playing for the Cardinals, uh, to me, he's wide receiver one in the NFL. I love everything about him as a person his backstory. Um, I won't get into it, you know, but, you know, his relationship with his mother, having her at the games, her being blind, like yada, 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 I can go on and on and on. Uh, to me, he plays the game right. He's always available to his quarterback. He does so many things on the field without just being a one-trick pony, like a, like I call Tyreek Hill a one-trick pony. You can love or hate that comment, uh, but he's a, Tyreek Hill's a burner. Hopkins does everything. He's a, I'll show you my age here. He's a quote, unquote, possession number one wide receiver and that term is not used around the nfl anymore but that's what he is and he's my favorite player in the league all right who's your favorite current historical nfl player 
Can I say Philip Rivers? You yeah, can, but nobody. But I can't, right? After this Ryan year. Leaf, yeah. Ryan Leaf, anyone? Oh, stop, stop, guys. <laughs> Ryan Leaf. Don't, 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 don't kill the vibes here now. Don't, don't kill my good vibes. Listen, I love how Rivers played the game. His passion, his trash talk, and his toughness. What quarterbacks actually trash talk the opposing defense? And the, just to hear the things he he uh, says to the opposing defense is hilarious and awesome. Uh, there, this is the reason why he holds a special place in my heart. Uh, him going on the road to Foxborough to battle the Patriots in the playoffs with a torn ACL and, and, uh, and a banged-up Ladanian Thompson not being able to play and almost beating them, beating them without his ACL will we'll never – for me as a fan, he laid it out all out there. And if you really read the story, they strongly advise him not doing so because they said he can miss another year or two if something went wrong with the knee during the game. And uh, before, you know, prepping for this, I actually watched some of the highlights of that game. This guy just gritted it out, and he was so close to beating Tom Brady. Yeah. It's hard not to root for Phillip Rivers because he does all that jawing and he does it all without using a single curse word. He is like the yeah. most polite trash talker I've ever seen in my entire life. And good dude, great face for the NFL. Um, you know, kind of sad to see him go when all said yeah. and done. Um, my favorite historical NFL player. It's hard for me to choose. So I'll just throw out two names. One's going to be the most obvious. He is a former 49er. It's Jerry Rice. I mean, the GOAT. Uh, you can ask me a hundred times. I'll answer the same way a hundred times. He's the greatest football player to ever play. Um, this guy only got better after the age of 35. It's just kind of crazy to see what he did. But the other one would be for me, and I know I'm cheating a little bit, throwing two names, but I think it would be unfair because he influenced a lot of like how I played football, how I carried myself and modeled my game a little bit because of what I played. But Deion Sanders, like yeah, the uh, the the greatest gamesman of all time at on any sport at any level. Just hard not to be a, a prime time fan. But those are my two favorite historical players. What's your least favorite NFL player. I'm going to go first because this is right. easy for me. This is hands down Russell Wilson oh. <laughs> for all of the, listen, I respect his talent, right? Like it's God given. He's hardworking. He's a winner. I get all of that, but he plays in my division. So I have to see him twice a year. I feel like for three quarters, he looks like he's drunk on the field, falling asleep, and then just wakes up in the fourth quarter and realizes he's playing a game of professional football and turns it on and always finds a way to win the game. But he's also just corny as hell. When I think of like a leader of my team and, leading men in crazy insane men on the football field like he's just not what i see and he is without question my least favorite player in the nfl yeah did you see um what well, was he posted this like i don't know mid-season maybe they're like going into the playoffs or something like that but after they lost the rams somebody was like the moment Russell Wilson posted this video, and it was like this dumb video about him talking about his alter ego. It was oh, unlimited. It was Mr. Like, unlimited. Yeah. yeah. It was like, yeah, the Seahawks were done the minute Russell Wilson yeah. uploaded. So corny, dude. But you know what? Good for him. Makes a ton of money. Married to Sierra, who makes a ton of money. Uh, he's a winner in everybody else's book but mine. Well, I'll, I'll fall suit. 
Um, I'm going to pick a rival too, and actually an, an aforementioned name, but before by uh, my co-host Weston here, uh, Tyreek Hill, and for numerous reasons, a yeah he does kill the Chargers time in and time out. Uh, he just always puts that dagger down, you know, you know, in their heart. But B, are we allowed to curse on this? Uh, sure. Okay. Well, you know, I, I won't. I won't. But he's just an awful human being with all the off-field issues he had too. So I hate the fact that. Uh, he, you know, off, off the field issues he had, and he also kills, you know, my favorite team. Uh, he's my least favorite NFL player, and that's me being kind. I drafted him with my first pick two years ago, so I made my team name Tyreek Hill's son. <laughs> that, that's, the, that's the reason why I hate the guy. Yeah. Uh, now we'll get into some – team-specific questions. Who do you think the most improved player on your respective teams is going to be? Uh, yeah, go, go for ahead, it. Lou. No, you go ahead, Lou. Okay. So for uh, the uh, LA Chargers, I think the most improved player will be Kenneth Murray, the linebacker. Uh, it's going to be his second year. Everyone talks how well Herbert did last year with no offseason, but Murray did real well too, and he also had no offseason. Uh especially down the stretch where he was understanding the game better. I feel like he's going to have a huge leap this year because of the Staley, because of Staley's uh, attacking defense. I thought he was a great blitzer at Oklahoma. And the fact that he was stuck as the Mike linebacker in a cover three to drop down, go backwards instead of where his strength was, was going forward and blitzing was a total disservice to his abilities. And another reason why that, that, coaching staff was incompetent so i really think he's going to have a huge year this year because he's going to use more attacking formations downhill Uh-oh. off the edge too man so i really think kenneth murray is going to see a huge improvement yeah i like that i agree with you too uh, i'm staying defense for the san francisco 49ers might be a little bit of a cop-out answer but to me it's javon kinlaw uh, the knock on him coming into his rookie year was raw, 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 um, just big, strong man, a little bit freakish, freakishly athletic for a guy his size. I think towards the end of the year, I saw everything that I needed to, that he was finally learning technique. Um, he was finally learning that, like, he's a man amongst men himself, and he can overpower um, and kind of impose his will on, on some people. So I think uh, the more the more time he gets under his belt, the more technique he puts into his repertoire. Um, I, I just I, I find it hard to believe that he won't have a monster sophomore season um, at the D tackle position. Who do you think the most underrated players on your teams are? Yeah, I'll go first, Lou. Mm-hmm. For the 49ers, uh, I think the most underrated player is cornerback Emmanuel Mosley. I think too much has been in the past focused on Richard Sherman, an aging savvy vet still out there doing it on the island, um, quote unquote island in our cover three island. And then to focus on Jason Verrett and what he did last year. And by all means of the definition, Verrett was shut down and locked down last year. But uh, Mosley's a guy that I think people just kind of forget about. When you think of him, you think he had a busted coverage in the Super Bowl against Tyreek Hill on a third and 15 um, but if, if you know the defense they were playing, that's not on, on, on him. 
Um, just an unknown, undrafted guy out of Tennessee that's just come in, earned his spot, earned his way onto the field, uh, just continues to play, plays aggressive, comes up and tackles. Uh, you know, he's he's a reason that I sleep a little easier when I think about the secondary, and I just think he's a an afterthought when you think of our defense, but I think he is a, a contributor to this defense moving forward. Lou, who's your most underrated? My most underrated uh, probably be cornerback Michael Davis. And the reason being is because he has really good size and really good speed. And he played well the last two years. This was a guy that was an undirected free agent. And he did a great job slowing down some of the bigger body wide receivers uh, last year. For example, there was a game that completely shut down the Raiders tight end. Uh, what, Waller, that's his name, uh, on the Raiders. And he also uh, locked down Evans and intercepted uh, Tom Brady when they played Tampa. He's a guy that is, uh, I really foresee him actually, once again, taking another leap forward because of the Brandon Staley defensive scheme. And I think it'll be better fit as opposed, as opposed to him just playing off man uh, in his own coverage. Uh, I think uh, they're really going to utilize his strengths a little, a little more better this year. So I think he's going to be an, he's an underrated player. Who do you think the best offense and defensive players on your team are? I'll, I'll start first. And uh, I'll say best offensive player is Keenan Allen. Top five, probably wide receiver, best route runner in the league. Uh, for defensive player, I was thinking about this. I was going back and forth. Bosa has to edge Derwin James for the mere fact that the best ability is availability. Not that Bosa is the, the pitcher of uh, perfect health, but he's on the field way more than Derwin, uh, especially the last two years. But you go look at all the stats. Uh, Bosa is perhaps a top four, top three edge rusher, I would say. Uh, look at all what the PFF has graded him, all the pressures, uh, all the sacks. Um, and he does it from a wide array of alignments, uh, whether it's a wide nine uh, or a defensive, he lines up a defensive tackle. He's just, he is the best defensive player on that, on that team. So for the 49ers, to me, I'll start with defense. It's easy. Um, I don't, honestly don't even think it's close, but it's all pro Fred, Fred Warner. Um, Got to love his hustle, um, his grit, third round pick, you know, so he's not that top 10 pick that you have these high expectations. He's come in, he's done it. Um, you hear it all the time from opposing quarterbacks and opposing offensive players. That he's the best middle linebacker in the league, and I don't doubt it for a single second. Um, best offensive player, I think the – the obvious answer here is probably George Kittle because he plays a, a sexy role in the offense, but that's not my answer. My answer is the best offensive player on this roster is left tackle Trent Williams. Uh, the dude is a stud. He is a savage. Um, go watch. I know it's tough to go watch an offensive lineman's highlight film, but you will see this guy literally murder people at the second level and they get to see him coming and they still can't avoid it and they still get pummeled um he's a difference maker and to me outside of maybe the trey lance drafting um this was the biggest off-season move was retaining his services for the years to come good for you weston for picking a fat boy mm-hmm. all right what do you think the, um Biggest team strength and weaknesses for your teams are? 
I'll go first, Lou. Um, for the 49ers, and I'll, I'll, I'll make this real fast, biggest strength is the running game. It's not even close, right? It's it's being able to do it with essentially no matter who's behind there, so long as they're willing to take one cut and go. As long as the offensive line is in the right position, it's the way the zone scheme works. Um, the biggest weakness um, on the defensive side of the ball is the secondary. Uh, again, I think right now we're only as good as the pass rush will allow us to be. And I hate saying that because I usually might even argue that a secondary is more important than a pass rush, but there's just not a lot of stability there. And a lot of this is hindering on the success of somebody who's proven that they have played two healthy seasons in a, a six, seven year career in Jason Verrett. So to me, that's the biggest weakness is the secondary. For me, uh, for the chargers, I would say their biggest uh, strengths are on the offensive side of the ball, in particular, their skill position players. Uh, we rattled all some names earlier before Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, uh, they drafted, if you like them or not, Joshua Palmer in the third round. Uh, they still have some other receivers I'm really high on, too, that really balled out last year. Uh, Guy and Johnson as well. Don't forget, you got Eckler. And uh, they do have something at tight end in Jared Cook. So they're loaded and deep at the skill position on the offensive side of the ball. Biggest weakness, though, for them, I'm going to say is the roster depth. It's in particularly on the defensive side of the ball. They are paper thin. It's basically how you construct a Madden roster and then turn off fatigue and injuries off. They are There is no one behind their first line of defense that's capable of, of doing anything. God forbid one of those players get hurt. All right. What do you think the most points they'll score in a game and the least points they'll score in a game this season will be? <laughs> I'll just take a shot in the dark at this, right? Um, I'll go with, and only so it'll be documented here to see if I'm right ever. I'll go with 45 points will be the most scored in a game. I'm going to go with least points, 13. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, for the Chargers, I'll say, I'm gonna say I'll say uh, 37. 37 points would be the most they score in a game. Least kind of stole my thunder there uh so i'll say 12 they'll just get four field goals i'll do the prices right on you <laughs> which player will score the most points for your teams this season robbie gold <laughs> you're so cheap bro <laughs> Is it not a fact? I mean, they're the highest scorers in, in NFL <laughs> history are the kickers, no? <laughs> uh, all right. For a non-kicker, uh, how about let's go Eckler. Uh, for the fact they'll use him at the goal line and perhaps we'll get some uh, catching touchdowns to. Clarification here. Alex, you've been talking about fantasy football throughout this conversation. Are we talking fantasy points or are we talking real points? Uh, legit points. but right. uh, the kicker. I'm staying with Robbie Gold. Touche. Good, good, good move there, Wilson. So next time I'm going to add. <laughs> Non-kicker. Yeah. <laughs> Way to find a loophole, bro. How is that a, not a loophole, man? Special teams, are, they have feelings too. Kickers are real people. All right. Not, not the Chargers. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those Chargers kickers, though. All right. Moving into the schedule preview portion of the episode we will quickly yep. go through the 
schedules of both teams and see how many wins um, you think we'll get. They'll get, and I'll ask for your record predictions after we're done. Right. So we'll start with the 49ers. Week one, they play at the Lions. That'll be a dub. That's a dub. Yeah. Week two, Eagles. That's also a dub. Agreed. Week three, Packers. Um, I'm, I'm going with they'll keep Aaron Rodgers, so I'm going with an L on that one. I'm going with the dub. All right. Week four, what's the Seattle? I'll go an L, uh, Seattle W. I'll go an L as well. Right. Week five at Arizona. I think Arizona will be um, way one of my improved teams going into next season, but I think 49ers will still win. So. I'll go with an L. All right. Week six is their bye week. Week seven, Colts. That will be an interesting game. I don't know. I guess I'll go a go loss. I'm going W. That's going to be Trey Lance's first professional start. At Chicago, it could be Lance versus Fields at this point. That would be sick. We'll see, but I, I'll go Niners. Yep, W. Cardinals week nine, uh, I'll go split, so I'll go Niners, W. W. The Rams – is one of my favorite teams this year because they got Matthew Stafford. W. Uh, but I I guess I'll go L. And 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 not to belabor anything on a schedule, but there's just certain teams like coaches have each other's numbers, right? And in the NFL, co- coaching actually matters unlike it does in any other sport, right? Like like NBA coaches are babysitters. Baseball coaches, I, I'm not even sure what they do. Um, in the NFL, it matters, and I just think Shanahan has McVay's number, and it's evident. Um, so, sorry, but I'll go W with the Rams. I'll go W with Jacksonville. W Jacksonville, W Vikings. Yep, I, I'll give another L for Seattle. I just They have our number. It's just the way it goes. Split, so I'll go W, but it could go either way in the Seattle games. Cincy will be a W. Falcons will be uh, fairly interesting, maybe, but I'll go W. W. Tennessee, I'll go L just because I picked a lot of W's in a row. Yeah, I'm going to go a loss in ten- uh, Tennessee as well. I just think they'll ground and pound all day. It'll be too much for the defense. Houston is a dub, and then we'll see about the starters in week 18, but I'll say split with Rams, so I'll go L on this one. Yeah. All right. What do you think? What is your prediction for the 49ers record? God, if, if I add that all up, I had a loss against Tennessee, swept by Seattle. Who else did I have losses against there? Um, Arizona won. So that's I, realistically 12 and 5. 11, 11 and 6, 12 and 5. 12 and 5. Because there's 17 games now, right? That's your final answer? <laughs> My final answer. All right. I got them about a wild card team, probably. But like a top wild card team, not like the third wild card team. Well, that's the problem, man. If you don't win the like what I hate about the new format is like one bye week. Like it just doesn't even like logistically make sense to me in this this like and and Alex, hear me out. I, I already told you that Lou and I are like double your age, right? And 
So we've been watching a lot of football for a long time. And this is like a huge curve ball for us to all of a sudden have a 17th week, you know, not two first round buys. Like to me, it's like literally changing the fundamentals of base of football. This is like if they in, introduce the DH to the national league in baseball, like I have no idea what to do. On uh, the 17th week, it'll be interesting. I guess I like it because it's more football, but we'll see about the injuries. And then we'll see we'll see if teams still rest like their guys week 16 and 17 if they have that like scenario. We'll see how much those games like matter, I guess. And then the third wild card, I guess I also like it because there's more football. And you could get upsets, but it is kind of dumb that it's like, well, you're just going to – some of the times you're just going to get eight and eight teams in. So, like the Bears got in at eight and eight last year. All right, moving on to the Chargers schedule. Week one is at Washington. That's a loss. Yeah, we got lost. Washington on the road, one o'clock game against a, that defense, new offensive scheme. That's a loss. Versus Dallas. Was it's a win? Home. Uh, yeah, I'm not too afraid of Dallas. Their defense is awful. Yeah, that's that's a thing. Yeah, I'll go dumb. I'll go L and dumb. Just because at Kansas City, I'll go L. Cause it's yep, that's right. And then versus Las Vegas, I'll go dub. Yep. Cleveland will be very interesting. Still lost. They're too physical for, for the Chargers, I would say. Uh, I'll go lost as well. At Baltimore will also be interesting. That's a loss, though. Once again, that physicality. I'll go lost with you there. 17 is a bye week versus New England. New England will be very interesting too, but I get, I'll go Chargers. I'll say dumb. You know what? I am going to go Chargers there. I mean, New England will be very improved, but I'll still go Chargers. At Philly is a dub. Yep. Minnesota I also got as a dub. Yeah, so that's okay, a yeah, we'll do a dub there. Pittsburgh I got now. I actually have a dub there because – I'm not it, I'm not too high on Big Ben and what he's going to be able to do. Yeah. I'm a Steelers fan, so that's got to be a dub. <laughs> <laughs> Here it goes. Here we go. Denver, that's a uh, dub for Steelers, not not Chargers. But uh, Denver is a dub. Bengals is a dub. No, nah, see, I think, I think Denver is a, a loss. They always play us tough. Once again, it was Weston was alluded to before. They usually have our numbers. So I'm going to say a loss there, and I'll say a win against the Bengals. Yeah, yeah. Giants, I like the Giants a lot, but so that's interesting. And I picked two dubs in a row. And then I'll, go, I'll go L against Giants. Giants upset or something. But maybe they won't be an upset by that point. But I'll say a dub there. Versus Kansas City, I say Kansas City sweep. Yep. I agree. I disagree. I disagree. This is the year you you split with them. It's we split. We split in 2018. It's okay. okay. But you all, again, when we talk about just teams you play, and divisional games are always tough. It's really hard to sweep a divisional opponent because you see them so often, and they know your tendencies. And I think you're talented enough that if I was going to take the split, I take the split as the home game against Kansas City. Well, I'm going with. I'm going for a sweep there. <laughs> Houston, I got as a dub. Yep. Denver, dub. Yep, I'll do that. Yeah, 
and then Las Vegas, we'll see who's playing and who's not playing. But I'd give the Chargers a dub if everyone's playing. But I think Las Vegas might be a little underrated. But they're they're weird. So. Yeah, I go a uh, a dub there. Yeah. What do you? What is your final record prediction? I got Chargers entering the playoffs this year as a wild card team. I do not. I have them just missing out because uh, once again I'm negative Nancy. I will say uh, what like nine and eight. Right. I'll say nine and eight, just missing out, which I think is a. I don't think it's a failure because new coach, new schemes on both sides of the ball during such crazy times of COVID again, uh, second year quarterback, if they can go nine and eight, improve in two game, uh, win two more games than they did last year, I would see that as a success and a, a future building block from what's about to come. Do you guys have any final thoughts about the Niners, Chargers, or the NFL or any thoughts in general? Now, appreciate you letting us tag along for the ride and getting our inputs uh, about our teams. Had a lot of fun rapping with you this evening. I just, my final sentiment would be, is it August yet? <laughs> yes. Yeah, seems like it's close, but it's not really that close yet. It's no, yeah, this was, yeah, this was a, yeah, this was a lot of fun. Uh, thanks, you know, thanks for having us on. Um, my final thought, another final thought would be, Chargers, uh, bright, you know, they have a bright future, but I think people need to temper their expectations this year. But uh, this is going to be a crazy fun year, and I'm looking forward to, you know, everything to unfold. And follow us at WTF Pod NFL yeah. for Instagram and Twitter. Thank you so much, Alex. All right. Once again, they are We're Talking Football Podcast, and this has been Out of Our Own End Zone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Out of Our Own End Zone. As a reminder, we can be contacted on social media at Out of Our Own End Zone on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And also, we can be listened to on any site that podcasts can be heard. Once again, the team at Out of Our Own End Zone would like to thank you for your listenership and have a nice day. <music>